Hello and welcome to the weekly commodity market update. I'm Brownfield anchor Will Robinson, joined as always by the University of Missouri's Ben Brown. Hey, Ben. Good morning, Will. How are you? I'm doing well, uh, you know, but it seems like now when we're doing these things, you're always traveling. So uh, tell everybody where you are now. Yeah, I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado, out here for some meetings um, at Colorado State and getting to talk with a lot of people from across the country that are all gathering here. We drove out. Uh, it was a long drive, uh, but we saw a lot of uh, short wheat, I guess is how I would phrase it. Short wheat in western Kansas and eastern Colorado. A couple of it's a little bit of it's harvested and they were planting double crop beans, but uh, very short wheat, not any higher than my boot. Well, that's kind of fun. When you think about Colorado crops, I, I, I generally don't think about wheat necessarily. That, that's not the first thing that pops to mind. But yeah, no, I, I brought my interns with me this week, and when we hit the Colorado line, they were they were disappointed that they couldn't instantly see mountains. But about a hundred <laughs> miles later, we finally saw a mountain. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, just looking at, at where we are today uh, within the, the market. So what changes did we see from last week? Yeah, last week was a, a big week with a lot of information coming out. Uh, in total, old crop corn for July up 21 cents, uh, finishing at $7.63. New crop December corn up 16 cents to $7.18. Old crop soybeans um, up 16 cents on the week to $17.15. That that really is is kind of surprising, uh, given that we've really taken some some uh, momentum off that soybean contract after coming within a nickel of the all time high for the soybean contract. Uh, new crop November soybeans up five cents to fifteen thirty eight. Looking at those different soybean components, soybean oil was down almost a penny and a half to just under eighty cents per pound, and then soybean meal up eleven dollars per short ton to four hundred eighteen dollars. Uh, that old crop and new crop July wheat contract down 37 cents on the week to $10.56. Uh, what type of market highlights did we really see uh, from last week? Obviously, we came off uh, the, the WASI report. Yeah, big, like I said, big week. A um, lot of information coming out last week. We're going to get another big week this week. But uh, U.S. ethanol production was down 42,000 barrels last week after hitting a calendar year high the week before. Uh, ethanol remains at a at a strong level. Um, it, it continues to do well. Exports, ethanol exports being a big player there as well. Export sales uh, for old crop commodities uh, remain weak, but did saw some improvement week over week for corn, soybeans, and wheat. Grain sorghum was the only commodity that was down from the previous week. New crop export sales for soybeans uh, were strong and continue to add to already large new crop soybean sales for this point of the year. Uh, last week's WASDE report uh, made a few adjustments, both on the domestic and world side. We'll talk about those more here in a second. Weekly U.S. grain export inspections were down for corn and grain sorghum on the week, uh, while up for soybeans and wheat. Uh, this is the first week uh, of the new crop marketing year for wheat. And then this week's crop progress report showed 88% of the U.S. soybean crop planted compared to 78% last week and 93% last year. Kansas and Missouri remain the two slow states after North Dakota jumped 34% last week. Spring wheat planting is basically done at 94%, up from 82% the week before. Uh, the corn conditions rating uh, fell just slightly uh, to 379, a perfect score is 500, but that remains above where we were last year. Winter wheat harvest has just begun. 10% of the U.S. wheat crop is harvested mostly in Texas and Oklahoma, but I do expect with some of the high temperatures that were expected this week and wind and dry weather that we'll see Kansas uh, and, and the remaining parts of Oklahoma see some strong wheat harvest this week. 
So really looking at, at just the crop progress reports that, you know, when do you expect to start seeing more adjustments uh, as far as those impacting the market on a weekly basis? Yeah, great question. Um, I think there's two components to that. Uh, so one's the the condition score, which is what you asked about. The second part of that is is actual acreage and tensions, right? Um, as as we've kind of learned over the last couple of years, uh, you know, there's two ways to get planting progress to go up, uh, and that's to actually get the planters in the field and roll. Um, and the second way is for farmers to reduce what they intend to plant. Both those numbers cause the percentage to go up. Uh, so here at the end of the month, we're going to get the planting uh, acreage report or the acreage report in terms of what actually got planted. And I'll be looking for two things, two commodities uh, in specific, spring wheat acres and, and corn acres. Uh, of course, corn implies soybean acres as well. But um, I think those two will be very interesting numbers. Uh, the trade will start anticipating what those could be in the weeks ahead. And I think that's going to overshadow any of the conditions reports. To your specific question about what we could see with condition scores, um, you know, so the market pays attention to them at this point of the year in terms of what the crop is doing, but it becomes a big deal when we get into what I'm going to call the second week of July, which is typically a pollination window for us for corn, um, and the outlook looks dry into August, right? Like that's when that's when markets start really paying attention to condition scores. And so it's really kind of a double barrel approach. One, condition scores have to be, you know, maybe a little bit declining, right? And the outlook for weather has to be hot and dry. Um, given what we saw from, from the weather models this week, um, the hot and dry certainly looked like it could be a player. Well, one of the things talking about the acreage conversation, that was one of the things that we discussed last week as we were heading into uh, last week's WASDE report from USDA, their supply and demand report. So really, where did you see things shaping up? Did you Were you surprised by the numbers that USDA kicked out? No, not surprised at all on anything. I think some people had anticipated a yield revision up. Um, so again, USDA revised that May uh, yield number down four bushels per acre from their February trend adjustment. Um, it's not unheard of in May, but certainly not common. Uh, so they revised it down four. I got a couple of traders that called out to me asking if I thought they would increase the corn number in, in June. And I didn't really think so. I I expected USDA to keep that corn number. They're not going to touch the acreage until we get the, the acreage report here at the end of the month. So I, the supply side largely you know, was the same. And I anticipated that. Um, the, the revisions they did make on, on corn was they did shrink that old crop corn export number down 50 million bushels. That increases old crop stocks, ending stocks, that increases new crop beginning stocks. Uh, they didn't make any other changes to demand for new crop, and so that increased the new crop uh, carryout as well. If you look at what our inspections have been doing, you know, we've been running 125 to 130 million bushels below the pace needed um, for a couple of weeks now. And you know, lowering at 50 million bushels certainly gets it closer. Um, but I I would contend that maybe we could see another revision for corn exports in the in the near future as well. So, yeah, not really a surprising um, from the WASDE. I thought everything was was with well within um, range. So, so you you talk about some maybe decreased factors up for demand on the the global side of things. So what what are the driving forces or factors behind that? Why why aren't we seeing those uh, in sport, in sport, inspection totals really uh, on pace with where you, you might expect or we might normally see? A couple of big things. Uh, one, um, 
high prices are starting to cur curl tail demand. I'm, I'm comfortable saying that. Um, I've kind of been there, I think, for a couple of weeks now to where we've seen indication that corn demand just hasn't been able to keep the, the strong pace that we had been seeing. The one exception being ethanol and, and you know, ethanol's being supported by, by high, high oil prices. Um, corn oil is high as well uh, as a byproduct. We've seen that whole vegetable oil complex high. Um, so that's kind of the one area of the balance sheet on the corn side that's that's strong. On that export side, you know, we're seeing some some added pressure, uh, export pressure, I guess, from South America. I think we're finding out that their corn crop is is going to you know turn out to be better, uh, a little bit better than what we thought. We didn't see USDA make any revisions um, really significant on the on the global corn supply side, but. Um, you look at Brazil's version of USDA and a couple other reporting agencies out of South America, and the Safrinha crop seems to, to be uh, stronger than what had originally been thought. So uh, a little bit stronger production down there, increasing competition for corn exports. Then the second big thing, Will, is the U.S. dollar continues to strengthen. Um, last year we got or last week, we almost got up to a. Um, uh, a point that we have not seen in 20 years. Anytime the U.S. dollar gets that high, um, it is hard for U.S. commodities to compete on the global market because it makes our products more expensive, um, all else equal. And so I think that's playing on the markets as well. Now, we did see Mexico come through with a, a purchase this morning of U.S. corn of about, oh, I think it was roughly 6 million bushels, 8 million bushels. Um, and, you know, that's you know, that's a that's a good purchase given some of the other factors we see, but um, certainly we'd like to see more of those in the in the weeks and months ahead. So I want to go back to talking about high prices curtailing demand, like like you mentioned before. So what, what are some of the alternatives that might be being pushed towards? Because a lot of you, you, you look at feeders, you're like, oh, well, wheat's, you know, hovering over ten dollars. Well, maybe we'll look at corn, but then corn's high. So how is the market finding alternatives to uh, you know, really be dropping some of this demand. Yeah, no, that's and there's not a lot of alternatives, right? So like it's it's shrinking uh, feed use, um, trying to be as as you know conservative, I guess, as possible in terms of feed use. Um, just because all the feed prices are high, um, everything's high. Wheat's high. Um, soybean meal obviously is is uh, you know holding up there as well, and and dry distillers grains and and sorghum everything's high, right? Um, and so I think I think that's I think that's the challenge for feeders. Um, as I talk to cattle producers, and I, I realize we're s spilling over into Scott and Megan's program yeah. now, but you know as I talk to cattle producers, right? Like they tell us that you know the feed cost side of the equation is just. Um, you know, just burdensome, uh, and they're and they're struggling to to turn a profit, uh, and so I think you're seeing some some cutbacks in terms of feed use. I'm trying to extend out as much of the available supply, whether that's hay, whether that's you know whatever they've got uh, from a haylage uh, component, uh, trying to extend that as far as they can. Well, and, and it's pretty interesting. I, one of the things that Scott always says, uh, just to rope him back in the conversation again, is that the cure to high prices is high prices and the cure to low prices is low prices because, you know, eventually demand will go up or down to follow that. So as we see maybe, you know, herd sizes decrease, looking at cattle and maybe on pigs too, to, to some degree, at what point does the market struggle to really maintain at the price levels it's at on the, the commodity side? You know, so uh, Monday of this week, uh, I really felt like corn and grain sorghum and 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 wheat. I'm gonna put that whole feed grain complex, corn, soybeans, and wheat. I the market 
action on the day just gave me the sense that they wanted to move higher, that the market wanted to move higher in those commodities. Um, the problem was soybeans had a had a bad day. Um, soybeans drug the whole complex down, um, and that caused or it, you know it, it held at least those feed grains within check. But I, I got this sense that they wanted to move higher. Um, soybeans are kind of the drag a little bit on the market um, for for these crops. I think some of this is intention to those that acreage report I mentioned earlier, um, with people thinking that some corn acreage shifted over into soybeans. Um, but really, that's that's I think the the big thing here will is like we've got we've got some some fundamentals in corn and grain sorghum and wheat um, that certainly would suggest lower prices but the market sentiment is maybe that hey we we could see a little bit more of a, a rally before we taper back down a little bit so um, some bearish fundamentals uh, but or at least bear, more bearish than what we had a month ago let's say but um certainly the market sentiment wants to move higher. So, or I feel that way. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense too, because it's one of those things where, well, I guess it's the adage, I guess from the, the livestock feeder side of things, it's, you know, things will get just a little bit worse, but then they'll get better. So it's almost trying to just withstand these prices just for as long as you can until you're almost the last man standing. Now, maybe that's right. a pessimistic view of things, but that's, that's kind of how it feels. Yeah. All right. Do, do you have any other, uh, I guess, uh, global, yeah. global plat, uh, factors you'd like to talk about? Coming out well, so the one thing about the U.S. dollar, um, so we had kind of saw the U.S. dollar temper back down after reaching uh, a little bit of a peak uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, the inflation data we got last week showing that inflation is not plateauing, it's not decreasing, it's actually accelerating, especially in some of the, you know, the, the components like food. Um well over 8% year over year, you know, that sent the market kind of into a frenzy. And we've had this big sell-off in, in the stock markets, and that's caused a, a rush to the U.S. dollar. Strong dollars create headwinds for exports, and I think that's a challenge. The other big thing this week is the Federal Reserve on Wednesday is going to come out with their updated position. Um, I looked at the, the probabilities of what the Federal Reserve increase could be, and they're almost exactly flipped from what they were a week ago. So a week ago, uh, the market was anticipating about a 90% chance that they would only do a 50% or a 50 basis point increase. Um, as of this morning, that has switched to where now the market anticipates a 90% chance of at least a 75% interest rate increase. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Fed does tomorrow. They've largely kept with their plan all year um, of, of doing 50 point increases uh, we'll see if they break from their their messaging and do a 75 point increase tomorrow it's kind of funny watching these as if they're weather reports you know watching what, what adjustments could play take place and when yeah so all right for traders uh, to watch some reports coming out this week we have the ethanol report and the uh, nopa report coming out tomorrow also like you talked about a uh, federal uh, the, the Federal uh, Reserve will push some adjustments out on Wednesday. And then export sales, that comes out on Thursday. I'm Will Robinson. I thank you for joining us this week. If you'd like to uh, check out our counterparts on the livestock side, that's uh, Megan, uh, Megan Grebner and Scott Brown with the weekly livestock market update. You can find that at brownfieldagnews.com. Ben, thank you for joining me uh, this morning. Again, I'm Will Robinson on Brownfield.